So, Harry. Yes. What is the most macho thing you have ever done? Okay. And you have to dig deep here, so. <sighs> okay. Let me think. Right. I've thought long and hard. Okay. And I've not got anything. you got nothing. Nothing. I can't say I'm surprised. No. Well, I've got the one time that I killed a bug. You killed a whole bug? A whole bug. What kind of bug? Well, it depends. How much do you want me to big this up? I mean... I can make a small story or a big story out of this. Well, don't make it too long. I once punched a wasp out of the air first try. Okay. It's reasonable. Pretty, yeah. It's reasonably macho. Mm-hmm. It was just it was just buzzing around, annoying me. Just wasping about. I just punched... I didn't even think about it. I just punched it. Straight in the face? First try. Like, normally you try and, like, catch a bug or something. You always yeah. miss. Mm-hmm. That's when I got it first time. Punched it in the face. It went, hit the wall, fell to the ground dead. I was happy and mortified at the same time. Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where today we are pitching prequels, sequels, and spin-off ideas to Con Air. We'll also be pitching some drinking games and hearing from our listeners with the ideas they've posted on Facebook and Twitter. But first, we're going to talk about some of our favourite moments from the original movie and catch you up with a bit of a plot summary. I am Harry, the host with the most fabulous hair. I mean, it's not a million miles away from what Nick Cage has in this movie, so sure. No. It's long, it's in my headphones, it's, yep. it's bothering me. Mm-hmm. And joining me as always, the host with the most bulgy Steve Buscemi eyes, is John Lucas. Ouch! <laughs> Unnecessarily harsh. <laughs> I didn't know what else to say, so I thought I'd take the piss out of your eyes. Okay, it's a, new, it's a um, new one. Well, you're welcome. So, Connor, what do you think of this? Connor, indeed. Yeah, yeah. so this Seems is... Full? I don't know. I think probably not. <laughs> Because really? I feel you, like I'd remember. You don't know? I feel like this is one that either you know or you don't. Yeah, I don't think I have. I don't think I have. I don't know. It feels like something I would have seen, but also there's a lot of this I was like, I feel like I would remember that. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's certainly memorable. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I just... I kind of love that last week I brought a Oscar-winning... <laughs> Hugely acclaimed best film of the 20th century, a tender. Don't say best film of the 20th century. It was on we, a we list. Both, Harry. We both, what list? Find me the list. It was on a list. Find Wikipedia list. said it was list, on a list. list. Listeners, after the episode, we, after we finished recording, I went through every list in the first page of Google when I typed in top 100 films of the century. Wasn't on any of them. None Did of you them. check the Wikipedia citation? What did the citation say? It said one of the best films of the past 20 years. You know anybody can write Wikipedia, right? It, I'm sure it linked to an article. Point is, I chose a classic. <laughs> I chose one of the greatest films of the so past. So everybody, John's source is Wikipedia. Yes. I see no problem with that. Great. Nevertheless, I chose a heartfelt family drama mm-hmm. with real emotions and top-tier acting and a, a, a real emotional journey so did i and you <laughs> replied with conair yeah but are you bothered the most racist film i have ever watched on this podcast <laughs> is it i think i i genuinely think this may be the most offensive film we've ever done 
Are you being serious? I'm being 100% serious. Like more than say Sausage Party or something? Yes, this this film this film is enormously racist. Okay. I mean I mean I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, but mm. like to say this is the most racist film that we've done feels like a strong statement. I would like you to back that up, please. I I I didn't take this film seriously enough to uh to 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 have a problem with it like that. No, for sure, but it is egregiously racist okay it really is like i'm not saying that this is a bad choice there's a lot that was enjoyable about this film mm -hmm. but this is a racist More than movie wild wild west yes but will smith uh, and i quote plays a woman's breasts like how he used to play the drums in his african tribe there is a character in this film called <laughs> the diamond gorilla yeah. Who wrote... I'm not saying this film isn't racist, by the way. No. This is just a weird point for you to start making. There are three significant black roles in this film. Yeah. Uh, there is the Diamond Gorilla, who has written a book about how white people should all be killed and has blown up a bunch of white people. Mm -hmm. And then his whole character arc is just that he likes killing white people. Yeah, sure. That's Ving Rhames. There is the Crack Dealer, mm -hmm. played by Dave Chappelle. Yeah. And there is the diabetic guy who's literally played by the guy who played Bubba Gump or Bubba whatever in uh, yeah. the sacrificial black guy with diabetes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There are all the black characters and there's also a Mexican whose whole character arc is that he's a rapist. Okay. Yeah. I mean, John, everybody's a criminal in this. That's, that's, that's the thing. Are you saying that this film's racist because it makes people of color criminals? I'm saying it's, it deals in very, very offensive and broad stereotypes. Not just about people of colour. Yeah. We, we haven't even discussed the gay question mark character. Yeah, no, no, sure. We'll get to that. Yeah. But I, I want to I put that somewhere else and talk, talk about this racism thing for now. Mm -hmm. This is a weird point you're making. I don't think it is. I think this film is widely acknowledged to be extremely racist. Okay. Yeah. I really didn't get this from it at all. Because well, you have you live in a place of white privilege. <laughs> so do you. No, I, I'm an ally. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, John. <laughs> okay. I'm just. I'm not. I'm not cancelling you for choosing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to acknowledge off the top. I just want to acknowledge up front. This is a virulently racist movie. It's also a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, that's more or less hoping we go with this. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's a crazy movie. Mm -hmm. I had a good time with it. Uh, the density of insanity. I'm trying to find a way to not like this film because I didn't like last week's film. I'm not saying I'm not trying to do that. Okay. <laughs> I'm also not saying this film is not racist. Sure, sure. Okay. No, this is a fun movie. Yeah. <laughs> Could we talk about that? Yes, let's talk about it. I've definitely picked a movie that's like really fun, so I want to just have a fun time talking about it. Yeah, absolutely. We can do that. That's okay. fine. Um, this film is insane. Yes, absolutely. This film is truly insane. The density of insanity is really <laughs> bewildering to me. Like it's, it disorients you. Yeah, it does. It really it does. does. Like I'm used to films that like have a crazy twist. You know, we like what? Mm -hmm. He was dead the whole time. Mm -hmm. You know that that's you know. But this film, from start to finish, it's just a constant barrage of insanity, and it is truly hard to keep up with. Mm -hmm. And it it really it's like disorienting. Yeah. How insane this film is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree because it really is just one thing after another. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's like there kind of is a plot, but also it's like, I guess we'll just do this now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I mean, the characters are very richly drawn. They have many, they have a lot of <laughs> levels and, you know, motivations and arcs. And mm -hmm. yeah, they're, they're all very complex characters. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Well, we told you today's flight would be special. That's William Bedford, a.k.a. Billy Bedlam. Mass murderer? The same. He caught his wife in bed with another man, left her alone, drove four towns over to his wife's family's house, killed her parents, her brothers, her sisters, even her dog. Scan him. And who is that good-looking brother on screen? Nathan Jones, a.k.a. Diamond Dog, former general of the Black Gorillas. He blew up a meeting of the National Rifle Association saying, and I quote, they represented the basest negativity of the white race. He wrote a book in prison called Reflections in a Diamond Eye. New York Times called it a wake-up call for the black community there, talking to Denzel for the movie. Um, shall I start with a plot summary? Well, yeah, I mean, why did you choose this film? I chose Is it because it you're a racist? I, cho- I, I chose it because of my racism. Yeah. And uh, I thought it would be a really good fun time that would distract us from the downer Oscar movies that are happening this year. Sure, yeah. Apparently it, it didn't work. I, I thought this was a surefire winner, but uh, no, it was. It was a good time. Okay, it's also racist. Okay, things can have multiples. Okay, many films in the nineties were racist. Yeah, 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 yeah. Any other thoughts? Have you seen it before? Uh, yeah, a while ago, but I, I didn't um, didn't remember everything about it. It was quite a few years ago. Uh huh. So I don't. <laughs> 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 I remembered. I remembered enjoying it. It was a good time. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, it is a good time. It really is. <laughs> Stop shouting at me. <laughs> <sighs> right. So it starts off, Nicolas Cage has like come back from war or something like that. Well, it opens with this incredibly over the top. Well, it, it literally opens with a crack of thunder. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have like a, the most butch macho voiceover mm-hmm. from a guy who sounds like he's literally never stammered in, in his entire life. <laughs> So like, you're a ranger, you're a soldier, you're a killing machine. And this is, I guess, Nicolas Cage's character set up. Yeah. He is a soldier slash ranger guy. Mm-hmm. He's been in the army, I guess. And then he gets posted back. And we actually, the first proper scene is him arriving back in his hometown to meet sort of his wife. Yeah. Monica Potter, yeah. Yeah. Um, he seems a bit sort of... Like he's suffering from PTSD or something, or like he's he's not all there. Well, he arrives back seems... home. Yeah, on this to this like, like port town. I don't know. There's a bar, whatever. Mm. But he arrives on like the shittiest little tugboat. <laughs> did you notice the tugboat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, know. I was like, how did, is this? How he got home from Vietnam or Korea or wherever he's been? I don't know where yeah, he's I, been. You know, I don't know. But yeah, like how, how? Why is he on this tiny little? St- I, I was imagining him like. Nicholas Cage in this movie as Steamboat Willie from, you know, like, just like on a, a little tugboat made for one man, just like mm-hmm. steering it. Yeah. It just, I don't know, it made me laugh. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Yes. Yeah. So like he gets back and so he, he's just being very sort of quiet and withdrawn. Mm-hmm. And Nicholas Cage's way of doing this is to just act like a cardboard box. Well, yes. Like, <laughs> he just doesn't, he has two speeds. Yeah. It, th- there's just nothing going on there. He's delivering the lines as though he's just reading them for the first time. Well, I mean, let's be fair. That's not entirely true. Go on. He's doing some quite significant accent work. <laughs> well, yes, there is. Dearest Trisha, I think of you always. Your smile, your laugh. I'm not angry. The blame's got to fall on me. I am, however, torn apart when I think that I won't be there to see our child come into the world cradled in your arms and a first smile i got your package those pink coconut things have made me quite popular met a guy just the other day baby oh he sure does love him and now our daughter 
beautiful Casey. I watch her grow in the pictures you send. I showed him the baby oh. His reaction was simple. He said, thank God she looks like a mama. I'd have to agree. But yeah, so is his wife pregnant at this point? Well, here's the question. Yeah. So he's just got back. He's on shore leave or he's maybe he'd been dis... I don't know. But he's back from being in the army for a, yeah. for a while. She seems like she's not seen him in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, she runs up and kisses him. And he immediately goes down and kisses her belly. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, she's pregnant. But she has a six pack. <laughs> She's like an hour pregnant at, t- at best. Mm-hmm. Like she's not pregnant. No, no. she's got no visible signs she, of pregnancy. Yeah, she's not about to go. So my question is, who impregnated her, and when? Because it wasn't Nicholas Cage. Yeah, or how long has he been away? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's he, unclear. He puts his. He, I know he's doing like a bit. He's like, "What you say? You're going to be a beauty queen?" Mm-hmm. But he's put his. He puts his ear up to her belly as if like the baby might be kicking. <laughs> There's nothing there. Yeah. I'm not exaggerating. It's not like she's just like, she's a, she's obviously a, a slim lady, mm-hmm. but it's not like she's a slim lady with a little baby. There is nothing. Mm-hmm. She is not pregnant. Mm-hmm. Or if she is, she is pregnant by a matter of days. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's it. He pulls her up, like gives her a hug and he goes, how's my baby? And <laughs> how I laughed when he literally said, baby. He said, <laughs> baby, like he was Moira from Schitt's Creek. He's mm-hmm. like, how's my baby? <laughs> how's my baby? So he's dancing with his wife and his future bebe. And um, these basically Cletus the Slack-jawed yokel from The Simpsons <laughs> comes swaggering up. Yeah. And is like, hey, can I dance with your little woman kind of mm-hmm. thing? And is basically hissing hard on Monica Potter and being incredibly rude to Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. And Monica Potter's like, calm down. Don't react. Don't react. Don't react. And he's he's swallowing his rage. Mm-hmm. He's, t- he's tamping it down. And these guys just, they decide that they hate him. Yep. Like, they're just, they fling money at him. They say he's the reason they lost the war in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. They're picking a fight with them. Nicolas Cage rises above it. But then he's taking Monica Potter out to his car. The rain is pouring down. Mm-hmm. And this guy has recruited three friends. There's a whole gang of them now. And for some reason, they, they just, they're really, they just want him dead. Mm-hmm. They just attack him with knives. Yeah. And Monica Potter's like, don't do it, don't do it. But he jumps to her defense. And with a, he, he literally backhands a guy to death. He like palm slaps a guy to death. It felt very sudden. And I just, I just didn't understand it. Like, so he's dead like that quickly. He just mm-hmm. got backhanded in the draw. Nicholas Cage's body is a killing machine. Clearly. As we learn in the next scene. Yeah. yeah. So he's in court. Yeah. And his lawyer is the worst lawyer of all time. Like, his, cause like he's just been attacked at knife point by four men with his pregnant wife, well, allegedly pregnant wife. Mm-hmm. Like, so Nicolas Cage fights off these guys, palm slaps one of them to death. He hits the deck and he's just dead straight away. Yeah. And then we smash cut to the trial and his lawyer, who's got like this greasy flap of hair, he looks like Bob Odenkirk in Better Call Saul, mm-hmm. who's just like, you need to sit the plea bargain, man. You're going to go to jail for seven to 10 years. There's nothing I can do for you, man. Yeah. It's like, what? He... <laughs> It was clear self-defense. How bad is yeah. this lawyer? I, I, I don't get it. How is this lawyer's best option being that Nicolas Cage <laughs> get jailed for seven years? Because mm-hmm. Which is what happens. He goes to prison for seven years yeah. for self-defense. And it's like he's like presumably not a dishonorable discharge. He's like just come back from war. Yeah. And he's a ranger. Yeah. And like some drunk guy was just hitting on the barmaid as in his wife. And, you know, there's probably lots of witnesses for that. And yes. yeah, like nothing, nothing comes of it at all. No, 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 not a thing. 
Well, the also, I don't think the Nicholas Cage tried to kill him. No, either. he didn't. He, was, he just tried was... to hit it. He just he hit him lightly in the jaw, and the guy died. No, it's like he's hired Lionel Hutz. <laughs> <laughs> His lawyer yeah. is Lionel Hutz. Right. Yep. It's ridiculous, but yeah, the and then the judge gives out his verdict, and the dialogue is so insane. It's something <laughs> like, "Your body is a killing machine, mm-hmm. and so we can't judge you like a normal human being. So we have to give you, we have to send you to prison for no less than seven years. Yeah, for self defense, <laughs> for manslaughter in self defense. Mm-hmm. So smash cut. Nicholas Cage is now in not just in jail. He's not just serving time. He's serving time in the worst prison in the world." <laughs> A prison that in the opening scene is just randomly on fire. Oh, yeah. There's a random scene where the prison is yeah. just on fire. And Nicolas Cage just kind of goes, ugh, this again. Like, rolls mm-hmm. over and covers his ears. Like, well, I think it's to show that, like, he's he's a good criminal. He's like, a good guy. Like, like ev- even when, like, there's a, uh, there's a there's a riot in a prison or anything like that, mm-hmm. um, he will stay in his cell and just be a good boy. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. The first five minutes of this movie are so fast. Mm-hmm. And so much happens so quickly before even like you've hit the three minute mark. It's truly disorienting. Yeah. You get the random opening montage. Then you get Nicolas Cage arriving, meeting Monica Potter. That Leanne Rhymes song plays <laughs> that like completely doesn't fit in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like I like that song. It's a classic pop song, but like, what is it doing in this movie? Yeah. I remember when this, that song came out and it was like full of having not seen this film, it was full of clips from this film that made this film look like it was a rom-com between Monica Pasta and Nick Cage. Well, with that which song, is, how could you not make it look like Exactly. That? Like, like <laughs> such false advertising. Yeah. But it's just so weird. <laughs> Does it come back at the end as well? It's on at the end as well. Yeah. yeah. That, that song is very prominent in this movie and yeah. it's really strange. Yeah, it is. Because I think it's because we're in this period in the nineties when every, every blockbuster had to have like a, a hit theme song. Mm-hmm. Like Titanic had Celine Dion, yeah. Armageddon had Aerosmith. What was great? Oh, that was a good sign. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, and no. this film had Leanne Rhymes. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just strange. It's, mm. it's, it's a very out of place theme tune. I was like, how does this song fit with this film mm-hmm. at all? It's weird. But anyway, so the first five minutes like whiz by, and then we get, I think, a second five minutes of just letters back and forth between. Nick Cage and his little daughter. Mm-hmm. It goes on for way too long. Uh, yeah, it was so boring. It goes on for way too long. Yeah. The only thing that makes it entertaining is the montage of Nicolas Cage working out in increasingly ludicrous ways. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like that bit where he's hanging from a super thin pipe. Well, he's doing... Well, my favorite one is when he's sitting like I'm sitting right now. He's in, a, yeah. he's in like a yoga pose, but he's, he's doing... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yoga pose press He's putting his hands down while he's got his legs crossed. Yeah. And so he's not sitting on the ground. Yeah, stuff like that. There's the... He's upside down. Yeah, the head, the head down. A lot of this is like, this This isn't Nicolas Cage. It probably was. You think? I don't know. Okay. But that, like, that, the thinnest pipe in the world that was above his cell, and he was doing pull-ups on that. Mm. Yeah. Nah. Well, this, but basically we get this mon- we get this montage and we get the Nicolas Cage voiceover. And this is when the, this is when the accent really kicks in, mm-hmm. like his ridiculous accent. Uh, but he's writing letters back and forth to his little girl and saying, I'll be home. I've been, I've been in prison for seven years. I've never met you. Mm-hmm. You've never come to visit me. This prison's awful, but I'm about to be released. He's got a pink bunny rabbit, mm-hmm. which. <laughs> where, where, where did he get it from? Um, who? Uh, how many cigarettes did he trade to get that I was pink say, rabbit? Whose arsehole did was, that bunny rabbit get smuggled in? For I was him? gonna say, what's what what's been done to that rabbit? That rabbit has been one hundred percent been up some guy's arsehole. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. 
Yeah. Happy birthday. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, he basically does fish out of a sewer and give it to... Oh, yeah. Like, I would not want that rabbit. No, anymore. there's a reason that girl is terrified of him at the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's great. So he's about to be released. He's got his one friend who's uh, called Baby O, mm-hmm. who is the actor who played Bubba Gump in... Not Bubba Gump. They weren't married. Who played the actor who played Bubba in Forrest Gump? <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, you said Bubba Gump earlier as well, and I completely missed it. Yeah, yeah. It's the act, the same actor, Michaeli Pfeiffer, who played Bubba mm-hmm. in the movie Forrest Gump. Yeah, yeah. The the company they made together was called Bubba Gump. That's why. Yes, yeah. see that there was a connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you you want a million miles off? No, sure. So yeah, they're friends. Mm-hmm. Also, his one character trait, I mean, Babyo, is that he's diabetic, mm-hmm. and the only it's just to add a little bit of extra tension, but it isn't quite go anywhere. No, but this scene at the beginning, while Nicolas Cage is writing letters to his daughter, mm-hmm. he says, oh, the sugary treats that you've been sending me, they've really made me popular. <laughs> <laughs> and then we see him passing this like pink sugary, like, I don't know, sugar ball mm-hmm. to the guy with some very severe diabetes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, I didn't clock that. <laughs> Oh, I did. It really made me laugh. I was like, you're killing him. <laughs> no wonder he's sweating. Wow. Wow. Great. Mm-hmm. So Nicolas Cage is finally due to be released from prison. Mm-hmm. And in order to get home, he is hitching a ride on a prison plane <laughs> filled with high security. Now, th- at this point for me, anything goes because mm-hmm. th- I know that this is the film. Yes. Like this... Like him being on this plane, that's the story of the film. Uh So that's fine. Whatever excuse they need to put him on this most ridiculous plane in the world. Sure. Sure. I mean, we haven't even talked about his hair. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) We just just skimmed right over his hair. Yeah. This is probably his best hair in any film ever. It it probably is. I mean, it's... It's his most memorable. It's so... Fluid. Yeah. There's a lot of it, but also at the same time, not very much of it. Well, that's the thing. Like, Nicolas Cage is, as long as I've known Nicolas Cage as an actor, he's always been kind of fit on top long at the back, right? Yeah. And I feel like I can relate to that. But I don't know how he grew that. No? I've not cut my hair since September. I mean, was it not a wig? I'm sure it was, yeah. Oh, you're but... talking about the character in the film? Yeah. Like, how would that hair happen? Well, he's been in prison for, like, nine years. Nine years, he? maybe sure. Okay. Yeah. So I guess he just hasn't had a haircut in prison. Clearly has had a lot of shampoo, though. Yes, it's very well conditioned, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that hair is a bit of a question. I'll, I'll give you it's, that. It's a huge question mark. Yeah. What, but what was that choice for his character to have that specific hair? I don't know. Like, yeah, I, I I don't know whose idea that was. No. Well, probably Nicolas Cage's, but whatever. So It works. I think it makes the film more iconic. It does. Oh, I mean, his hair is a drinking game. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Like, every time <laughs> it flaps in the breeze. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, so he has to go. He's going home, but he's being he's hitching a ride back, even though he's just like a petty criminal. He should be in like a low security prison. Mm-hmm. If he's been given seven years in prison for accidentally killing a guy in self-defense, and he's been in the army for like years mm-hmm. beforehand with no issues as far as we're aware. Yeah. Why is he in like the same kind of prison you, you'd expect the worst kinds of serial killers and serial rapists to be in? Probably for this story. For this story, yes, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I get it. You, you probably put somebody like that into some sort of a 
rehab place. Yeah, like a low security. Like, yeah. Sure, he's got PTSD or whatever, and he accidentally mm-hmm. used his army skills, and, so, and as a result, a guy is dead. So, yeah, get rid of the PTSD. You'll be, yeah. you'll be right. Mm-hmm. So Nicolas Cage and Babyo, mm-hmm. who's just, I think he's just getting a transfer. Yeah. What was Babyo's crime? I. It's eating too much sugar. Maybe yeah, he seems like yeah. a he seems like a very nice guy. Yeah, like, but for for whatever reason, the two of them are put on a prison plane mm-hmm. filled with the worst, like the worst hive of scum and villainy. You know, basically. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, it's like the the biggest criminals in America at uh-huh. this time are all on one plane together. Yeah, apart from Steve Buscemi, he, comes he joins in late, later. Yeah, he comes in at the first stop. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's strange. And that plane is going to fly Nicolas Cage home. Yeah. And the rest of the prisoners are being transferred to a maximum security prison somewhere mm-hmm. nearby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at this point, we're also introduced to John Cusack. Yep. And Colm Meany. Yep. Who are our... John Cusack, he's from the DEA, isn't he? No, Colm Meany's the DEA, isn't he? Sorry, yeah. John Cusack designed the plane? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's... That's the impression I got too, mm-hmm. but I don't really feel like he knew anything about the plane. I don't feel like he knew anything about shit. <laughs> I don't know what his... Also, I don't think he did a very good job of designing that plane. No, yeah, sure. Cole Meany at least has a purpose. Like, he's an arsehole, yeah. but he has a purpose. Like, yeah. John Cusack, I don't know what his role is, other than that maybe he designed the plane. Yeah, I don't know, but like, there's some... Did there you notice is... the socks in the sandals? Yes, I did. <laughs> Clogged that right away. Yeah. Is that just like, to make they... his character seem weird? I don't know. Like it just made me think this guy's not got his head screwed on properly. Sure, yeah. And you know what? I wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. So I like that Colton Meany wants to put a guy, a plant, mm-hmm. um, on the plane. Yeah. Like wearing a wire for whatever reason. These guys are already in jail. <laughs> yeah. What, what, what are you trying to get out? No, of? No, he's trying to get the reason he wants Colton Meany wants to put his colleague in the plane to extract some kind of confession from one of the criminals. He does. Set, they do set that up. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just, I'm just wondering what like. Because all these criminals are already convicted criminals. Mm-hmm. They're trying to get a confession just to like some names of somebody on the outside. Yes, I think something. so. Yeah. Okay, okay, that's that's fine. But like, so he he insists that this guy carries a gun with him. Yes. And drunk Isaac's like, no, 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 no guns on the plane. Mm-hmm. Like, not no nobody's allowed a gun on the plane. Mm-hmm. Apart from there's a gun in the cockpit and there's a small arsenal in the hold. Yes. Like, what? Sorry, no gun on the plane apart from literally all the everywhere. guns on the plane. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I wonder. I wonder if any of that's gonna come up. Yeah. And so, Cole Meany's guy. Uh, well, Cole Meany stashes a gun in his guy's sock. Yeah. So he has put a gun on the plane. Yes. And like everything with all the weapons goes south immediately. Of course it does. Of like it does. The good guys literally never have the upper hand. They all start with the guns, but as soon as they get a gun on their hand, it gets taken straight away. Mm-hmm. Such a bad idea. Yeah. Pretty much. It was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cole Meany's character in this movie is asshole. Yeah, his character does not have levels. No, not at all. No, <laughs> no. His character does have a vanity plate, though. Kick ass. Yes, I know. Is that? <laughs> but yeah, he, he's basically just just playing angry cop. That, mm-hmm. That's his role in this. So yep. yeah, good for you, Chief O'Brien. Yeah. Uh, where were we? So, I like that he's done really well out of Star Trek. Yeah, he's in. He pops up in a lot. Like how he spent the first three seasons of Star Trek being a no-name character. Yeah. No, Cole Meany pops up in loads of stuff. Like if you ever watch a film with like an Irish gang, he will always be one of the gang. He's fully like found a niche outside Star Trek. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Cole Meany and 
John Cusack, they're arguing about whether or not they should allow a DAA on the plane. But mm-hmm. Colmini wins as his guy goes on the plane with a concealed weapon. Mm-hmm. The flight takes off. They're in the air. And at this point, we realize that all of these crazy criminals who were introduced to at this point mm-hmm. have a plan. Yeah. Well, some of them do. Some of them do. Some of them do, some of them don't. Because, like, don't a bunch of them get off at the next stop. I think they all stay on the plane. We, we pick up extras. Mm-hmm. I don't think we lose any. Yeah. So... We should talk about... Some oh, no, the cri- they, sorry, they marched the guards off. That's what it is. Yeah, we should talk about some of the criminals who yes. we're introduced to. So there is Billy Bedlam, mm-hmm. who is a mass murderer who killed his wife's family and her dog. Yeah, what from this? Nobody memorable. Right. Nobody famous. He's the one who's like, asks Nicolas Cage where he, where he went to jail because he feels like he doesn't recognize him. Ah, uh, that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The one who, who gets killed with the... Nicholas Cage throws him onto like a pipe. Yeah. He gets impaled. Yeah. Uh, Diamond Dog, who's the member of the Black Gorillas, the Ving Rhames character, the mm-hmm. horribly racist stereotype. Uh, Cyrus the Virus, mm-hmm. that is uh, John Malkovich, mm-hmm. who is the criminal mastermind. And Pinball, played by Dave Chappelle, yeah. who's the wisecracking black crack dealer. Yeah. A much more positive stereotype. <laughs> I think they're all the ones who are here right now. We, we definitely get some more later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so all of the criminals, they've got this secret plan. Mm-hmm. So then we see them, they're on the plane, the plane is taken off. They've got lock-picking needles, like... In, like, in their hands. In their hands. I man. didn't like that at all. No, a bit too... No. Just, I, yeah, sure, I get it. But like, oh, didn't need to see things getting pulled out of their skin. Sure, I mean, it gets worse. <laughs> so... Yes. They, yeah, they, they've got they've got needles in their palms. There's a whole bit where, does Dave Chappelle set a guy on fire? Yes, he does. So, like, Dave Chappelle, he he seems to have ingested this... this oh, yeah, pack. he's inje- he's swallowed a... Go on. He's, yeah, he swallowed, like, a container of, like, lighter fluid or something, mm-hmm. which is, like, safe inside him. It's not going to explode. Yeah. But, like, so he's got a string that he can just pull it out of his stomach, which is... Okay, it's weird. Very weird. Mm-hmm. And a single match. Yeah. And so he very unsubtly, like, to the guy next to him, just like, I'm sorry for what I'm about to do to you slowly squirts him with this lighter fluid. The guy's like, what? And then he just gets out a match and like, waits there for a second, hesitates. And like, the guy could have just like flicked it at his hand or anything. Mm. He lights it, hesitates again, you know, just waiting for the guy to like blow it out or something. Mm-hmm. Nothing. And he just sort of slowly drops it on the guy. He had one match, not, not a single backup plan at all. Yeah. So the whole plan kind of, the, the whole plan of, the whole mastermind plan depended on this working without a hitch. Mm-hmm. Of Dave Chappelle making this distraction. I mean, the the, this entire plan is in this whole rest, this whole escape plan that these criminals are somehow cooked up together, despite mm-hmm. all being in solitary confinement, is completely baffling. And yeah. yeah, if one single thing didn't go the way they exactly planned, mm-hmm. it wouldn't work. No. So, like, two of them, I think it's just Ving Rames and John Malkovich, they've got mm-hmm. the needles in their hands or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they, they've picked their handcuffs, mm-hmm. which. I don't think is I don't think handcuffs are that easily picked. No. Like, it would be bizarre if they were. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they pick their handcuffs, and so those two are free, and they basically just hijack the plane immediately mm-hmm. because all the guards are that bad. Yeah, I know. It's just a film full of fuck-ups, really, isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so they all break out, mm-hmm. and they beat up all the male guards, they kidnap the female guard. There's one female prison guard. Mm-hmm. She gets kidnapped and chained up. Yep. And Baby O goes into that's great. Yeah. And Baby O goes into a diabetic. Well, not a diabetic coma, but like he starts having a diabetic attack, basically. Yeah. So that's our ticking clock. 
Mm-hmm. Nicholas Cage, meanwhile, tries to blend in with the criminals to somehow gain some kind of advantage. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, they land at a pickup spot and they trade a bunch of the guards who are now dressed as the prisoners who are like bound and gagged. Yeah. So yeah, they've still got like masks on their face and everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's supposed that... to be a prisoner swap, but they've engineered it so that they act- they're actually just offloading a bunch of like the guards, yeah, Inc- the guards. including the pilots as well. Yes. And so one of the, I think it's one of the prisoners who comes, who arrives now, who comes yes. on. It's is, all perfectly choreographed. He, yeah. he is a trained pilot. Swamp Thing, yeah. Yeah. Swamp Thing is a p- trained pilot. Sure. <laughs> and it's weird that like, you know, this plan is so delicate, but yet some of the criminals are coming on and shouting, way, we got the plane. Yeah. Like, you're not in the air. <laughs> yeah. There, there are actual guards right there. Yeah, this is when we we pick up Swamp Thing, who's the who's the uh, the pilot. Mm-hmm. We pick up Sally can't dance, which is the uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, the gay stereotype, mm-hmm. and we pick up uh, Steve Buscemi. Yeah, Steve Buscemi, who is the Hannibal Lecter, basically. Basically, yeah. Yeah. he he <laughs> is uh, what's his character called? Uh, Garland Green. Not a great name. Not the most terrifying name in the world. No, no. his whole character was uh, bewildering to me. He really was. Yeah. I mean, we'll get to it, but I didn't, I had no idea what was going on with him and that little girl later on. Well, there's that. But in these early scenes on the plane, I mean, I, this is not Steve Buscemi's fault. He's a great actor, but he looks like somebody who's won a competition to be in this movie. <laughs> yeah, like he's won a prize and the prize is to have like a small role in this movie. The, yeah, the thing that that I didn't like about this is that Steve Buscemi's character is really bigged up quite a lot. It's like, oh my God. Like, even the most hardened criminals on this plane right now. They're all scared of him. They're all yeah. like, oh my God, this is insane. We've got him on the plane. Oh my, I'm terrified. Yeah. And then like he, he's wearing this mask and I'm like, oh my God, what's going to be underneath it? And it's not even Steve Buscemi doing a crazy face. He looks so ordinary. Yeah, yeah. it's it's... It's un... No, unnerving is the wrong word. It's just, it's just annoying that he looks so... Yeah, basic. I like, really Steve, Steve Buscemi can look super weird, but in this one he just doesn't. I think they should have gone for Willem Dafoe. Yes, that would work. Yeah, I although I did get a huge laugh from that. There's a scene where Nicolas Cage is talking to Baby O mm-hmm. about all the criminals, and then the camera just kind of pans around, mm-hmm. and you see that Steve Buscemi's just sat there listening to them, yeah. just looking so normal, and yeah. it's, it really is like he's just won a competition to be in the film. It's so <laughs> funny, like. <laughs> It really yeah. tick, it really did tickle me. Yeah. 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 So I'll give it a pass for that. But yeah. Uh, yeah. Steve Buscemi's on. on Sorry. You're you, you giving the film a pass, you know, like let's ignore the racism and stuff. But uh, Steve Buscemi was in it doing nothing. So that's all right. I'm giving, I'm doing my best to give, <laughs> unlike you, I don't just shut films down if I immediately don't feel connected to them. So I'm going to wow, do my best. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Go in there. I'm very much going there. I'm mad. <laughs> I'm still editing the episode. I'm mad. Okay. Uh, where was I? Yes, yeah, so they pick up Steve Buscemi and Swamp Thing and the other characters, and they have to do a fast takeoff to get away because they get rumbled just before they're supposed to take mm-hmm. off. I think so. They do a very quick takeoff, and Diamond Dog, the Dave Chappelle character, mm-hmm. uh, he gets left behind, mm-hmm. and he's chasing the plane trying to catch up, and he's trying to jump on the plane. Mm-hmm. He misses out, and he gets left behind. Yeah, and then something happens, mm-hmm. and I can you understand what happened here? What, with Dave Chappelle? Yeah. How did he end up a frozen corpse inside the plane? Because it feels well, like he was left outside the plane and the plane took off. He was left, he, he was running along outside the plane. Mm-hmm. And what we didn't see was that he got caught up in the landing gear. Okay. 
So as in like a wheel went over him or something because it was spinning very fast. He just got caught up in the gears of that. And so then when the landing gear tried to close, his body was blocking it so it couldn't close. Right, okay. Um, oh, is that why there was a problem in the first place? Yes. Okay, but his body was perfectly preserved. Uh, well, yeah, he, he, he was just in the way. Like, he, he wasn't... He didn't get mangled in any shape or form. No, I mean, it may also have been... Like, we didn't see... I would have liked to have seen it more, but I guess that kind of takes away from the like, the surprise of what it is, but it's not the biggest twist in the world. No. It could be that, like, he grabbed onto the wheel or something and was just holding on, but the air pressure just killed... I, I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not fully sure, but it's not the most confusing thing for me. I was puzzled by why he was there, but sure, okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, ultimately, he was there just so there was a cool way for uh, uh, Nicolas Cage to alert the authorities. Sure, but we'll get to that. Yeah. So, yeah, he gets killed Felt off. very diehard. Yes, very much so, yeah. So, yeah, they get back into the air and they realize that there is something wrong with the landing wheels. Mm-hmm. And Diamond Dog, Ving Rhames, and Nick Cage go down to investigate. And that's when they find Dave Chappelle's frozen corpse. Yes. And Nicolas Cage takes advantage of the moment and mm-hmm. decides to write a note, like a, a help note, yeah. to John Cusack or whoever whoever it might be who finds it. Mm-hmm. Writes it on this whole scene was Dave Chappelle's frozen corpse, like his T-shirt, <laughs> and then flings him out of the plane. Yeah. Yeah. This, I don't know whose idea this scene was, <laughs> but somebody clearly saw Die Hard and thought, how can we one-up this? Uh-huh. Yeah, this was very silly. It Well, he gets flung out of the plane in midair and then falls thousands upon thousands of feet while being frozen solid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think he was frozen solid. I think he was just dead. He seemed pretty, or maybe it was Regan, but he seemed pretty frozen. But the point I'm making is when he lands, mm-hmm. he would have shattered into a thousand pieces. <laughs> surely <laughs> he would be mush yes. he would be mush He'd... yeah ab- absolutely yeah uh, so then i think we cut to john cusack mm-hmm. um receiving a phone call he seems like stressed out of his mind because you know all this shit's going down with the plane sure um actually before that i think i think it's before that they find in the cell of john malkovich there's a brick in the back corner that seems to be made of like really soft stuff <laughs> yeah this this was so but it's made no sense to me it's, whatsoever. It, it's kind of like the Shawshank Redemption yeah. thing, but but not. not yeah. Yeah. And so behind this fake stone, which first of all there's no explanation as to how he made it, but mm-hmm. sure, whatever. Behind this fake stone, there's like plans for a plane. And somehow nobody puts this together. This, nobody nobody puts this together anywhere near as fast as anybody in like any idiot would have. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. It didn't make any like he's on a plane. They don't have contact with the plane right now or something, or the plane's missing or oh no 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 that No, sorry, that the plane the plane's not missing actually at this point, is it? It's still in the air. It's yeah. Air. They think they know where it's going because uh Dave Chappelle has put the tracker into another plane. The transponder. Tra- sorry, transponder. Yeah. Um, Which is handily labeled transponder in giant letters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so then the people, they, they, it, behind this brick, there's like plans for a plane, and like the entire plan listed, just like what they're going to do and everything in full detail. Mm-hmm. And there's also a box that says, do not open. So is it, did they give it to John Malkovich? Like the, 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 the plans for the plane or something or, or somebody, I don't know. But the person who walks away from the cell saying. Is John Malkovich. Is it John? No, John. So, Cusack, sorry, John, John. I meant John Cusack. Yeah. And uh, he says, like, yeah, okay, well, I'll, I'll take this and I'll go and call call Meany, but just don't touch anything. Mm-hmm. And so then the guy just like, oh, this box that says do not open. 
hmm, okay. And open it's a, obviously a bomb. Yes. Obviously a bomb. And it's a bomb, he opens it, it explodes. Yeah. They, they, they they all die, but no. John, John Cusack is fine. It didn't mean anything mm-hmm. because they weren't characters. No, no, not at all. They no, were no. nobody. They had not been Just in this film before now. Complete extras, yeah. And it didn't affect John Cusack in any way either. Mm. <laughs> you could have lifted that whole scene right out. Yeah. Would have made no difference. Yeah. None whatsoever. There would have been one less explosion. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, that that's all. Yeah. Um, I guess this was what alerted them to the fact that like something's up with the plane. Yeah. So then John Cusack he calls Colmini and he's like, No, 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 you're tracking the wrong plane or something. Colmini's like, Nah, I've got my choppers on it. We're gonna track this plane. <laughs> Colmini just thinks that <laughs> John Cusack is just fucking with him for no reason. Yeah. Like, he's like, yeah. No, I don't believe a word you're saying. Yeah. And so then John Cusack is just saying out loud, Oh my god, how do I get to this place that they're going? Mm. Because it's in the plan where they're going. And I, I didn't fully understand why they were going to this uh, plain graveyard thing. No. I never I never got it. But, you know, they go there, they land there, and they stay there for absolute, the rest of the film, pretty much. Yeah, I have I have complaints about this film. One is they do not spend enough time in the sky. No, they don't. Like it go, so, uh, so, so at this point, John Cusack has just said, how do I get here? He said it out loud. And mm-hmm. somebody, just the cleaner or somebody... Just says like, well, if it's close, like if you've got a car, if you can drive fast enough, you yeah. can, you, you, you can get there. How so, slow sorry. are these planes? Yeah, wait a minute, is he driving faster than a plane? There are multiple. <laughs> so there are multiple times in this film when somebody driving catches up with a plane, overtakes, overtakes he beats a them plane to the airport. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, I mean, a plane can fly in a straight line, so he he's got to like weave in and out of roads and mountains and and stuff. Like what? It doesn't make the slightest bit of sense it's insane it was a bit of a it took me out of it even even if i oh it, this broke the, the the delicate internal logic of this film did i know i was it. gonna say like even for a film that's got so little logic that's yeah. like it's bordering you know a good bad movie sure yeah it's bordering Just bordering yeah, yeah it, sure yeah on the borderline yeah this was this was like no nah, this is too much this crossed the line yeah, yeah this no this <laughs> i'm not having this because it didn't it was never brought up like no if somebody just like offhandedly said, like, you beat us here. They're like, no, you got here quick or just something. Yeah. I don't know. It, no, I agree. I didn't understand. Because for me, the whole thing of a plane movie is you're on a plane. Yeah. And like you're in the air and that's it. And that's the claustrophobia. You can't, yeah. get, you know, you're in the air and you can't get out of it. And you're in this situation. This film, they land constantly. Mm-hmm. I think this film, it's a two hour film. I think they spend all of half an hour tops actually in flight. Yep. Yep. It's disappointing. It truly is. Well, there's still a lot going on. There is a lot going on, but <clears throat> yeah. Because I was thinking while watching this, a theme we've never done yet, and maybe we've exhausted too many of these movies in other themes. I would totally do a theme month on films set on planes. Yeah, I, I, I think that we... It's a great idea, but I think you're right that we have already... Because we've done Air Force One. Mm. We've done this. Yeah. Came a, out the same year, by the way. Good year for plane movies. I guess, yeah. What about Snakes on a Plane? Was that this year? No, that was like 10 years later. That was only in like 2004. Right, right, yeah. sure. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree. That would have been a good season, but I think that we've, we, we might have we've already ex- used two of the big ones. Exhausted it, yeah. Fine. Yeah, it's why we're not probably not going to do a zombie season because... We're, yeah, we're done, that, yeah. Done that, yeah. But it is, it, yes, it's puzzling. I, I could not wrap my head around the villain's... <laughs> How the villainous plan in this movie actually happened? How what are, it worked. What were they trying to do? Were they just trying to break free? They were trying to fly out of the USA to Mexico, like out of. They were trying to fly right. away from you know 
the US legal system. Sure, sure. But I didn't understand how do they communicate with each other? How does John Cusack, sorry, how does John Malkovich have the plans, like the schematics to this specific plane? Yeah. How does he communicate with Ving Rhames and Steve Buscemi and Dave Chappelle and mm-hmm. all these other characters and be like, this, hey guys, this is what we're going to do? Mm-hmm. How did, how did, how, how did all this happen? I don't understand. <laughs> what you mean? All this inter-prison communication? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I don't know. And yeah, like ha- having people come to pick him up in a different plane. Not, not that that happens, but that mm-hmm. was the plan, wasn't it? Yes. Like There's so much of this that is fully determined by intricate time specific planning. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, how did you make these plans? Yeah. How did you possibly set this in motion? Well, he's got a lot of time in his hands. He does, but like, if a single thing goes wrong, then all of this is going wrong. Yeah. It's bewildering. I would have liked to. I would have liked to be rooting for him a bit more, and then like see like one or two things go wrong, and see how he deals with it. Yeah, I think this is a big genuine flaw with this movie is that the villains are all just omniscient. Mm-hmm. They're just genius, evil geniuses, and we never see none. None of the plans they have like hold together as plans. Like, yeah, yeah. If you were, if the villain had a very clear plan, and you were like, oh, this is. I mean, I hate him, but he's so. Mm-hmm. He's got this so well planned that, like, you know, I'm really kind of rooting for him to get this right. And then yeah. one thing goes wrong, and you could feel the anxiety. But it's not that kind of movie. No, the plan is arbitrary. It makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Nothing that happens is logical at all. <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. No. So they've stopped at this plane graveyard and that's mm-hmm. where John Malkovich is expecting somebody like a second plane. They're going to transfer to a second plane. Yeah. But that second um, plane never turns up. Yeah. I, I still don't understand why they want need to transfer to a second plane. For an, anonymity. Okay. To yeah. get over the border. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. Actually, yeah, that does make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, See, I was following as much as I could. <laughs> no, I was following that. I just didn't understand it right away, but sure. sure. Um, yeah, no, I'm, no, I'm stuck. <laughs> so what, 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 what are the things that actually happen like in order on the ground? I mean, in order, it's a, it's a that's a hard ask, Harry. <laughs> but they land, yeah, they do an emergency landing. Um, I don't understand why they need to do an emergency landing as well. Like, do, do the, is it not an airport where they stop? It is. I mean, it's not like an actual like official airport or something. But like, did they need to crash the plane? Did someone shoot them? Maybe. No. 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 Okay. Not, no. Not at this point. I don't know. They land in this abandoned air air force anyway for Mm -hmm. some particular reason. I don't know. Aiming to switch with another plane. But that other plane is not there. Yeah. So it's immediate panic stations. They've crashed hard. The plane is not in fit state to reland, Mm -hmm. to relaunch, I should say. But it's not like destroyed. It's fixable. There's also a hilarious subplot in which, as we mentioned briefly, the transponder (laughs) has been pulled out and hidden. Dave Chappelle, before he died... Hid it in the mechanics of a of a small of a plane, small like a, tourist plane. Yeah. yeah, that's just doing these rinky dinky little tours of like I don't know Nevada or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we see all of Cole Meany's like armed missile launching plane, <laughs> helicopters chasing this tiny little helicopter filled with mm-hmm. you know old ladies and tourists basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're all doing that, which is why this criminal plane can kind of keep flying for a few hours, but it does land in the desert. So because the second plane never arrives, they're forced to very quickly refuel and do some repairs before they can take off again. Yeah. 
There's a whole sequence where they're all pulling the plane out of the sand. Mm -hmm. And it's like there's 15 of them. And this is a Boeing 747 or something. Like, <laughs> they would not make a dent. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on and that. And this is the scene when Ving Rames is just whipping them, which mm -hmm. I know you don't remember, but it really tickled me. Um, <laughs> tickled them too. Yeah. I don't, more than that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, at this point, Nicolas Cage leaves the plane and meets up with John Cusack. Yes. There's a whole fight, but then he meets up with him. Yeah. And that's when John Cusack realizes that he's got a man on the inside. Nicholas mm -hmm. Cage is his man on the inside who's helping him to, I guess, get off the plane. Yeah. Oh, he's helping it. He's helping to like subvert the criminals or something. I don't know. He's, mm -hmm. he's got a man on the inside. Yeah. Basically. I feel like at this point it would have been somewhat easy for John Cusack to break the plane in some form. Yes. Like that's all he needs to do. Just make the plane unflyable or like, you know, burst a tire or something so it can't take off. Well, John like, Cusack never gets near the plane. No. He's useless. He doesn't do his job very well. Yeah. But Nick Cage gets off the plane and meets John Cusack and they team mm -hmm. up. The gay character, who we've not really discussed yet. We've, we've briefly referenced, but... Mm -hmm. I think we're all in agreement it was a... Deeply a, offensive stereotype. Yeah, I, I nearly said a swing and a miss. That is absolutely not right. What was it swinging for? Yeah. <laughs> This character who runs off the plane into a random shack and just, I guess, because he senses there might be, a, there's a dress here. Mm -hmm. He's got this sixth sense that there's a dress and he pulls it out. <laughs> he does. He runs off the plane. Roots. How does he know? Has he set this up? Is he that, doesn't know. Is that what Gaydar is? Who yeah, knows? It's, it's just, yeah, he just, he senses there's a dress. <laughs> so he runs off. He finds a dress and he gets a dress. Oh, that's right. I don't know why that, that got me. It's so stupid. Anyway, it, it's ridiculous. <laughs> this character is the worst. I mean, there, there's, there are so many offensive characters in the movie, but this character is like, what's he in prison for? I don't know. Being gay. That I don't know. Yeah, is he in prison for being too gay? Like, yeah. What is his crime? Wearing a dress? What is his crime? Oh, what, what is his motivation? I, like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Because also they don't look bothered that they're, that they're imprisoned. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't feel like that's no, it, that. That seems to be how they identify. Like, yeah, I'm just a gay prisoner. Woohoo! This is great. Well, even that is giving him too many characterizations. Well, yeah. There's a scene when he literally <laughs> when he gets punched by someone, he just turns around and goes, "Ugh, man!" Like he just. <laughs> oh man! Oh, really... more, more of that would have been great. Oh yeah, like, we definitely want more of this. You know, pro. You know, very progressive character. Um. <laughs> But yeah, so he has he has a little moments, and also Steve Buscemi, who we've established is a mass murderer who's killed many children, mm -hmm. also gets off the plane and has a tea party with a little girl. Yeah, see now this it never felt obvious enough to me that like she was a hallucination or something. What you think she was? Was she? I don't know. I'm asking you. Okay, yeah. What's your yeah. take on this? I I, I don't know. I, I really couldn't tell because. There seem to be no signs that she was a hallucination other than the fact that there's a random unattended little girl in the middle of the desert. Uh-huh. But it never seemed referenced at all that, like, he's having a tea party with nobody. Yeah. So I just didn't know what it was. She did look like a ghost. Yeah? Okay, so she was, she was like the ghost of a little girl he killed or something. I don't know. I'm not saying that's the answer. I'm just saying do you she... Know, do you know? Do you know? I, I don't know. I don't know. I thought it was just a little girl. It, it's such a weird addition to this movie. Yeah. As is Steve Buscemi generally. Yeah. He adds nothing to I the remember, plot. I remember him being way, a way better thing in this. Way more integral. He's not yeah. at all. He's no. very peripheral. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he has a tea party with this little girl. And 
they have a whole conversation. Mm-hmm. I think she says something like, are you sick? And he's like, there the ain't no cure for what I've got. You know, yeah. The killing children fever. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah and it, this very commercial film fully teases you with the possibility that Steve Buscemi may just decapitate this little pigtailed child. Yeah. It's fully suggested that that might happen. Yeah. And then like, I think it's like, as they're taken off or something, I don't know. Well, like, when he's very much back on the plane, mm-hmm. the camera goes back to where he was having the little tea party with the girl and the teacup's broken in two. Yeah. What does what that, that mean? What does that signify? <laughs> what was the point of this exchange? Does this film think it was deeper than it was? I wonder what was cut. Yeah. I wonder what was cut from this film. Yeah. Because why was that sequence in the film in the first place what is this supposed to be telling us mm-hmm. about because the, there's a sequence early on we didn't really get to it there's a sequence earlier on when steve buscemi is sat with nicholas cage and baby o mm-hmm. and i can't remember exactly what the lead line of conversation is but at, at some point steve buscemi says yeah i killed 17 women i wore one of their heads as a hat <laughs> as if that's totally a normal thing to do yeah because they're trying to make him menacing, but he's supposed to be a, like he is supposed to be the Hannibal Lecter of this movie, but he just seems like a guy who's been dropped into this movie. And what's so weird about it is that Steve Buscemi could do that. Yeah, he, it's he, not because he, he's a bad actor; he's a great actor. Steve Buscemi could be a Hannibal Lecter in whatever yes. ridiculous world this is. Like that is that is very viable, but just it, it doesn't happen here. No. It's very strange. This whole mm. sequence is very, very strange. Yeah. I couldn't tell you. But I did get very hung up on the concept of wearing somebody's head as a hat. I can't lie to you. I really... <laughs> I'm more into the logistics. I thought it. long and hard about this, yeah. I was like, so yeah. So, so put, put yourself in this position. Okay, so you have just murdered a woman. Mm-hmm. Just, just imagine it. Mm-hmm. You've murdered a woman. You're on the run. Her corpse, maybe you've sawn off, maybe it's already been decapitated. You've already sawn off her head, I don't know. Sure, yeah. You're on the highway and you, you look at this headless corpse woman and you're like, you know what? Hat. And then following you putting that on your head, you're like, yeah, I'm going to keep this on. Yeah. I'm going to keep this on. I'm going to, 45 miles, was it? Yeah. Is that, is that what he said he drove? I don't know. A, a distance. He must have been driving at speed. Yeah. yeah. Like, Decent, decent, decent speed. So, Probably about an hour, maybe, maybe a little less. So, do you Kept think hat on for that long? Yeah. So, do you think what he means is he's wearing her face as a mask, so or has he just got like a woman's head perched atop his own <laughs> with some kind of chin strap? <laughs> like how people used to wear like uh, stuffed birds on their on their hats. Yeah, like, yeah, like a <clears throat> what's it called? Like 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 a fascinator. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that what's happening? Maybe I. I... I'm just, I really want, I, well, but, but also like he drove somewhere, like what sort of car? Like, because my head's fairly close to the top of, to, to, to the ceiling of my car. It must've been a hatchback. Yeah. No question. It's <laughs> a hatchback. A yeah. convertible? A convertible. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, it, the roof comes up. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So is her hair tied back or is it just blowing in the breeze? I don't know. <laughs> These are the questions. These are the questions. Like the smell. <laughs> Yeah. It must yeah. reek. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure I'm sure it does. I I don't I don't know. Um He wears her head as a hat for hours on the motorway. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't I, I don't get it. And also this character Who wrote this? This character well, cocaine. Cocaine <laughs> wrote this movie. But this Steve Buscemi character 
is basically at the end of the movie treated like a cutesy little it's so weird isn't it he he escapes to it's, kill again it's so it's, it's so, so bizarre such a, yeah. such a crazy end well yeah. he's not no crazy is the wrong word mm-hmm. it's just weird it's just very unsettling yeah yeah two went down one came up one in the fall well you don't have to tell me most murders are crimes of necessity rather than desire but the great ones Dahmer, Gacy, Bundy. They did it because it excited them. Don't you... I got nothing in common with them, with you. Don't you talk to me. They were insane. Now you're talking semantics. What if I told you insane was working 50 hours a week in some office for 50 years, at the end of which they tell you to piss off, ending up at some retirement village, hoping to die before suffering the indignity of trying to make it to the toilet on time? Wouldn't you consider that to be insane? Murdering 30 people, semantics or not, is insane. One girl, I drove through three states wearing her head as a hat. It's my daughter's birthday today. So please feel free not to share everything with me. Well, yeah, that's Steve Buscemi then. Um... Yeah, well, he has a tea party with that little girl. And it teases very strongly that he's going to kill her. Mm-hmm. She looks very murderable. She's got her little pigtails and she's mm-hmm. wearing this weird little dress. And then she starts singing, he's got the whole world in his hands. Or it's just it's just odd. It's, all, it's also not creepy enough for me. No. Well, because his character isn't really... I don't know, for some reason, you're just not scared of him, even though he's yeah. very terrifying in on paper. You know? Yeah. I guess because this film isn't really scary. It's many no. things, but it's not scary. But anyway, he does that. He... It didn't need to be scary from him. It it needed to be like campy scary. Yeah, just something. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I've not noticed. I don't know if that girl was little girl's a ghost or not. Mm. Many questions. <laughs> but it turns out, while all these characters are having side plots, it turns out that the plane they were supposed to meet and transfer onto, mm-hmm. it is there, but it's been hidden away by one of the other prisoners. Yeah. Who we've, I think, had no screen time with up until now. So this whole sequence is very bewildering. Mm-hmm. But he is, tr- his plan is to escape on his own and leave the other guys behind. Yeah. So this guy does a runner. I don't even know what his name was. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. He does a runner, tries to escape in the other plane. Something happens. There's a giant explosion. Mm-hmm. Petrol, I don't know. Plane fuel. Plane fuel. The, the secondary plane doesn't take off. No. There's a bunch of flames. This guy falls out of the back of the plane. I think so, yeah. Stands up, covered in jet fuel, mm-hmm. and John Malkovich, whose name is uh, Cyrus the Virus, Cyrus the Virus, is looking him dead in the eye, and he's like, "You're a traitor." He's mm-hmm. like, "You betrayed us." Mm-hmm. And this guy goes, "Sigh," and John Malkovich does the <laughs> foot. He he, do, he does he does it. He says it. He goes, "Anara," <laughs> throws a cigarette, sets him ablight. Oh. Please. Sai Anara. You know that he either, like the character, either does that all the time. Mm-hmm. Like people call him Sai. Like he must introduce himself. As like, Sai. Yeah. Hi, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the king of this prison. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody calls me Sai. Yeah. Uh, just waiting for like for all the people to call yeah. him Sai. Either that. Or it's never happened before. He's been waiting his whole life mm. for that opportunity. Yeah. This scene One did, or the other, nowhere in between. It did make me a little bit sad. 
Yeah. Because I realise now that the scene in Godzilla 2 was not an original moment. Which scene? In Godzilla when he goes, oh my God. Ah, Zilla. Zilla. Yeah, I, was, I thought that was like the most clever thing that had never been done before. <laughs> now I realise it, it's been Sorry, done before. You, realized that, you thought that was the most clever thing? I didn't think that had been done before. And you thought that was great? Yeah. John, that was a terrible joke. It was a terrible joke, but I thought no one's done that before. That's like a new level of terrible. <laughs> but now I realize it was just copying this film. So I was a bit like, well, that's a shame. Sure. I mean, it's just finishing somebody else's sentence. And it made me laugh. No. But also the Godzilla one, it's got a very different delivery. It does have a different delivery, but it's the same oh basic God. principle. Zilla. Yeah, it's the same basic principle though. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so he dies. Yeah. And now they're all racing against time to dig up their, the original plane because the army are mm-hmm. fast closing in on them. Yeah. At a certain point, Nicolas Cage murders Danny Trejo because Danny Trejo, while everyone else is digging, goes to try and rape the female guard who's still chained up. Mm-hmm. But then Nicolas Cage saves the day and kills him. Yes. Yeah. Meanwhile, Baby O is slipping ever deeper into a diabetic coma. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He desperately needs an insulin shot or he's going to die yep. very quickly. At some point, John Malkovich clocks that there's a traitor aboard. Mm-hmm. He's like, somebody's betrayed us. I guess because Danny Trejo's dead. and Yeah, people are, like, yeah, people he, are starting to turn he, up his, his goons are dying left and right. Yeah, so, he's like, yeah. there is a traitor aboard this plane. Somebody's betrayed yeah. us. Somebody's working with the cops. And I mean, it's very, it's very clearly it Nicolas Cage. Yeah, like, <laughs> look around you, man. Yeah. But in order to protect Nicolas Cage, Baby O in his diabetic coma decides that he's going to claim to be the traitor so he's yes. like look it's me i'm the one and john Malkovich shoots him in the chest or in the stomach and he falls down to the floor mm-hmm. and basically has the exact same scene he had in forest gump <laughs> where he's in the arms of a simple-minded white southern man <laughs> and he's like I, f- I don't think i'm gonna make it forest slash nicholas it's <laughs> It's the weirdest type of... It's the weirdest kind of typecasting. Yeah, He's it is. basically having the exact same scene twice. Like, yeah. With, like, two years apart. Like, these movies came out around the same time. Forrest really? Gump was 96. This was, like, 97. Like, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. It's insane that this poor guy had the, to do the exact same demeaning, sacrificial black guy role two years in a row. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the plane takes off, anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, Colmini's car is strapped to the back of the... I can't remember why. But it's just uh, yeah, yeah, because the one thing that John Cusack managed to do was to get the the rope that they were using to pull the plane out mm-hmm. and just like attach it to a big hook or something. It's attached around just like a wooden post. Oh, so tra- John Cusack attached the plane to, to try and to go down try and the ground plane. it. Yeah, so, okay. so so it couldn't take off. It snapped through the post and just conveniently attached itself to the axle of the car. Yeah, and then this car is flying behind the plane like a kite. Yeah, like a weightless kite. <laughs> Yeah. Just <laughs> flapping in the breeze. It's great. Yep. So they're in, the, they're in the air again for all of five minutes. And then they're like, we need to make an emergency crash landing. Because are, are they out of fuel? Uh, are, oh, they're getting shot down, maybe? Yeah, yeah, they're getting shot down. Yeah, they're getting shot down. They need to make an emergency landing. Mm-hmm. And Stinky Pete, what's his name? The guy was to... <laughs> it was something stupid like that. <laughs> the villain from Toy Story 2? Oh, no, it's not. Is it Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing's the pilot. <laughs> Swamp Thing, sorry, not Stinky Beat. Swamp Thing <laughs> is like, we need to land right now. Yeah, we're in Vegas yet again. 
in a plane, John Cusack is fully just chasing them in a car and is like directly beneath them. Like yep. there's no speed difference. Yep. But he's, but yeah, Swamp Thing is like, we need to land right now. And like, okay, well, we're in Vegas. There's loads of places to land. Just land in the desert. He's like, no, 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 no. We can only land on the, on the Sunset Strip. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you know Vegas very well. I, I know that it's basically one street. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very small. Yeah. Also, the airport is five minutes away from the Strip. Right. Okay. So from plane perspective, n- no distance whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And surrounded by desert, which is also prime <laughs> landing. Like, of all the places to land, the, the Strip is the one place you don't want to land. Yeah. Like, the civilian casualties must be through the roof. Oh, God, it was insane. Yeah. So they're forced to crash land onto the Vegas Strip. Nicolas Cage gets shot in the arm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't react. Oh, that's doesn't, doesn't flinch. He literally... Oh, yeah, he literally doesn't flinch. It's hilarious. Mm. That's when it's when Bubba's dying, isn't it? Yeah. He's like, he he holds him in his arms. I'm going to show you that God does exist. Yeah. Jumps up, gets shot in the arm, and literally doesn't flinch. It's like, why even shoot him? Yeah. What 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 was the point? Also, how bad a shot are you? Yeah. But I guess that God is protecting him or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this is so while the plane is coming down, Nicholas Cage is beating up all the criminals. Mm-hmm. He like he's just put he punches a bunch of them, throws them out of the plane, whatever. Like he's fully in gangster mode. He gets briefly confronted by the gay character, mm-hmm. looks at him for a moment, as mm-hmm. if he's like trying to figure out what he can do, mm-hmm. goes to punch him, <laughs> thinks better of it, <laughs> slaps him across the face instead. Just slaps him to the ground. Just bitch slaps him to the ground. <laughs> oh. So offensive. <laughs> So very <laughs> offensive. <laughs> like uh, you can't hit a gay guy, but you can slap him. You can bitch slap him to the next Wednesday. That's okay. And that's it. That's the character out of the film. That's the end of that character. That's his arc. That is that character's arc. Yeah. He's just flopping around in a crashing plane now. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, does he live? Yeah. Does he die? Who knows? Who cares? Um, <laughs> the plane crash lands. Most of the criminals either die or are arrested at this moment. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But John Malkovich gets away. Yeah. Does he steal a fire truck or something? Yes, he does. Because <laughs> this, pl- this film needs more, you know, yeah, chases and, and, and explosions. One of the criminals is driving the fire truck. I think it's Ving Rhames or possibly Stinky Pete. I can't yeah. remember, yeah. There's a high-speed chase. Uh, I can't remember what happens. So John Cusack and Nicolas Cage, they're riding the two lamest police bikes you've ever seen. Uh-huh. While John Malkovich is on the ladder of a fire engine for no reason, by sure, the way, yeah. there's no reason why he's on the ladder because he, like, is one one of the criminals is driving it. While John Malkovich isn't just in the dri- next to the driver's seat in the passenger sure. seat, makes no sense. But sure, whatever. Yeah, so it's a it's a chase between this fire truck and two small police bikes who catch up to the fire truck. They both climb on. Nicholas Cage goes for John Malkovich. And cuffs him to the ladder. Yes. After like stabbing him in the ankle and stuff like that. Mm. And uh, John Cusack, he goes for the for the, for the driver. Uh, that doesn't work very well. So he gets the fire hose <laughs> and puts it in through the sunroof. Oh yes. Of the uh, of, of, of of the fire engine. Yes, I remember. And just that. fills up the driver's cabin with water, mm-hmm. and so the guy starts to drown. Is that how he dies? <laughs> I think so. he just drowns. <laughs> in this airtight <laughs> meanwhile Nicolas Cage raises the ladder so it's yeah. just going higher and higher with John Malkovich strapped to the top just screaming or mm. screaming about 
and they go through like a glass. They he they drive John Malkovich through like a glass bridge or something. Yeah, I, I mean this I, is I, the I greatest supervillain death of the nineties, surely. <laughs> Like, how do you top this? There's so many. There's so many parts to this death. Yeah, there really are. So that happens. Then I think the fire truck eventually comes to a crash or something. All the water falls out. The guy, the the driver's dead. But John Malkovich and Nicholas Cage are fine. Don't worry, they're heroes. John Um, John Cusack is John Cusack. Sorry, yeah. Uh, John Malkovich. Now, for some reason, he seems to have landed. landed on his back on like a conveyor belt no you missed a bit you missed a bit so he's (laughs) he's he's handcuffed to the ladder of a fire truck yeah then that crashes into a you know into a glass what bridge partition yeah yeah yeah. he's flung through that he i guess the um bit of metal from the handcuff just falls off yeah yeah he's flung off the fire truck through two panes of glass still alive still alive (laughs) Then he lands on a electricity pylon and gets electrocuted. <laughs> still alive, still alive, still fine. Yeah. Just, just in a lot of pain, but still fine. Yep. Falls through that, is electrocuted, then falls on his back onto a conveyor belt. I don't know where the conveyor belt came from. No. It doesn't make any sense to me in at all. In a random factory, which nobody's operating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nobody's around. And I don't know how a fire truck in Vegas just drove through it, but mm-hmm. whatever. And he lands on this conveyor belt, and he seems—he doesn't seem massively injured or anything. Like, he, he seems like, a little bit disoriented. Yeah, yeah, but he doesn't move either way. Yeah, yeah. And so he's just on this conveyor belt. It just takes him like to the to the edge of the room or whatever that he's in, and then just a massive chunk of metal just comes and just crushes his head. A piston crushes his head. A piston that is operated by nobody. <laughs> For a machine that that is doing nothing, that is doing it, nothing. It, it's not like it could be like a, a waste sort of a recycling sorting plant or something mm-hmm. that, like you know, is sorted on the conveyor belt and then that thing crushes it. There's nothing on the conveyor belt other than John Malkovich. Yes, and there's nothing to be crushed other than John Malkovich. No, it's it's purely there for this alone. For this death scene, yeah. And my goodness, <laughs> worth it. Yeah, it's a good scene. Yeah, yeah. So Malkovich is dead. Mm-hmm. The criminals have been subdued. Mm-hmm. A plane has crashed onto the Vegas Strip, which is like a 9-11 level tragedy. So many people must be dead. I mean, I'm not sure of this, but yeah. Many people must have been killed. Yeah. It would be international news. It would surely be international news. Yeah. For some reason, John Cusack, oh, I guess in his spare moments in between all the chasing people around, has flown Monica Potter out. Yes. And the little girl. Yeah. So they're here to, too to, now. to Vegas. To Vegas. They've like, been flown out to Vegas, yeah. Like, oh yeah, Nicolas Cage, he's being an absolute hero. He he that's why he didn't come and see you at the airport like he was supposed to. He's currently about to take down a plane in Vegas. It's gonna crash land. It's gonna be great. You should come. Yes. Exactly. And it's just like <laughs> at this moment. At this moment, you don't want your family there. No. Like you don't you don't want to add more civilians to to this area where you know there is going to be a plane crash in a major populated area. Don't bring more people in. Yeah, and then straight after the plane crash, it's just like take people out. Yeah, evacuate the city. If they're going to crash in Vegas for whatever reason, mm-hmm. they're going to crash in Vegas. Let's move past that. Just evacuate the city. Yeah. I did, or, or at least some effort. Yeah. I did laugh long and hard at this sequence though. So Nicholas Cage <laughs> has just been. It's, he's just been through. You know. Killed all the criminals. He mm-hmm. saved the day. The pink bunny. He fishes the pink bunny out of the sewer. Mm-hmm. So it literally is suffused with human shit. Uh-huh. Yeah. It must stink. Yeah. 
He has his terrible mullet. He's yep. bleeding. He staggers up to the little girl, and the little girl is petrified of him. <laughs> and I don't know if that little girl was acting. I don't think she was. <laughs> she looked way more scared than like Steve Buscemi's yes. little girl in the daughter. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. I think this girl was genuinely terrified because yep. this doesn't feel like it tracks with the plot of the movie. No. It's just like this little girl is like, I'm not going anywhere near this crazy guy. <laughs> she's like, no, I don't like him. He's scary. Mm-hmm. And he hands her the pink bunny and she's like, what the fuck is this? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Um, but ultimately he wins her round. He gives her a hug. He gives Monica Potter a hug. Mm-hmm. Who got her body back very quickly. Uh, well, I guess seven years. Leanne Rams plays again. And the movie, is that the end? Um, yeah, yeah, that's the end. Yeah. That's the end. Little uh, little pre-credit scene uh, with now it's just in a casino because hey vegas oh yes yeah we get this so all the other criminals have been arrested and taken back into custody what happened to diabetic bubba guy oh he got shot but did he live i no i definitely don't think so he died yeah oh okay yeah it was very underwhelming yes i thought he i thought he like survived why nicholas cage okay i thought he died well maybe i don't know who cares uh yeah so then most of the criminals are either dead or apprehended but then we get a shot of so a plane has crashed on the Vegas Strip, but the casinos are still running. Gambler's got a gamble. A gambler's got a gamble. Yeah, yeah, sure. Nothing stops the, the Las Vegas Strip. Mm-hmm. And then we see that Steve Buscemi has escaped and he's, and he's like, how are you feeling? He's like, You're the, I'm the luckiest man in the room or something. He yeah. says some wisecrack. And, 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 and he just, he, he wins loads. He wins a bunch of like money, yeah. piles of chips, mm-hmm. which he must have got from nothing. Mm. He had nothing. He had the clothes on his back. That's all Harry, he had. A plane crashed. If there's ever an opportunity to grab a few chips, that's the one. Oh, yeah, I guess. Oh, yeah, because there is at one point, inexplicably, a van parked in the middle of the road, like mm-hmm. perpendicular to the direction of the road. Mm-hmm. It's just parked there for no reason, mm-hmm. and the plane crashes through it, and the van is filled with money. Not chips or anything. Like Oh, yeah, there's like, just loads like of money cash, flying like around. Like notes yeah. of money. Mm-hmm. And I, I just didn't understand why the van was parked like in the middle of the road facing the wrong way. Harry, I didn't understand anything in this movie. I truly didn't. <laughs> There's so much to point out. We I, mm. we probably only scratched the surface. I don't think we've even yeah even done that. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is bewildering. It is. So and... it ends on a very cheerful note of a mass child murderer just being <laughs> loose in the streets. <laughs> yep. That's the end. And then the actual end credits feature all of the characters we've just seen raping, murdering, killing. You know. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not quite a blooper reel. It's just kind of like a sequence. It's like the credits are just, it's like the end of a sitcom, like a cheesy sitcom where they're all just like, we're like, as if they're all like nice guys, just like yep. scenes of them laughing together. Like, you know, yep. when everybody knows your name, just, it's mad. Yeah. yeah. That, I remember this film being bizarre. But it's, it, it's truly next level. Yeah. It is next level insane yeah. now. And sure, there may have been some reasons why I shouldn't have picked it for this, but I'm still very glad I did. No, that's fine. I, I, I yeah. No, it, it was nothing if not entertaining. Yeah, I, I and that's, a, that's all I wanted. I had a it. good time with this movie. Good. I did. Yeah, good. So, yeah. Shall we move on to drinking games? Yes, absolutely. So the first one I've got: drink for a bad accent. Drink for Nicolas Cage's wandering accent. Sure, mm-hmm. absolutely. It is. Uh, it is its own character in this movie. It is <laughs> such a choice. Yeah. It's such a choice. Well, Nicolas Cage doesn't like his choices. He, he does like to make strong accent choices, yeah. Apparently he spent time before the filming started like living in 
Sorry. The, the self. This is a method role. Apparently so. So I read he spent time wow. to perfect the accent. Wow, okay. Which he certainly did. I will say this. I found this film hard to follow mm-hmm. in places. Yeah. Not just because the plot is insane, but because Nicolas Cage's accent was incomprehensible. <laughs> like, I felt like I needed to watch it with closed captions. Mm-hmm. Like, truly, I couldn't understand a word he was saying in many in several scenes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> I'm sure I missed many deep intricacies because of that, but yeah. Okay. I had drink for exposition. This movie has some insane exposition. <laughs> like there's a, se- there's a sequence where Nicolas Cage is, I guess, cause all the, the way the criminals are all introduced. And there's, there's a bit where Nicolas Cage says something. I can't remember the exact way it's phrased, but it's like, who's that guy? This is all Nicolas Cage, by the way. This is all just one person talking. Mm-hmm. He's like, who's that guy? He looks kind of like, I don't know, Crazy Billy, he says some name, and he's like, all I heard about him was that he killed his two cousins and buried them in the park next to his lord. It's just, it's nonsense. He just talks, <laughs> it's just like, the amount of exposition is not is just crazy. I don't know. It's, it makes me, made me laugh. The exposition made me laugh. Do you think laugh. the exposition was ad-libbed? I, I think parts of it must have been. Right. But also I think the script was just terribly badly written, just mm. generally. This, yeah. this is a terrible script. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next I've got is uh, Drink for a Line. Like whenever there's a solid... a coke, <laughs> um, no, clearly but they did. Mm. Um, no, drink for like a, a, a great line of dialogue. Like, sure, yeah. Put the bunny back in the box. That that that's a classic. Yeah, yeah. I had a drink for every overly wordy line of dialogue. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of lines that are that probably seemed really cool when this cocaine addicted screenwriter <laughs> furiously bashed them onto the keypad, but. <laughs> But don't work in the mouths of a human being. Mm-hmm. Like I'll drop in some audio dialogue, but there's one that Malkovich says that's something like, "And if you say a word about this over the radio, the next wings you see will belong to the flies buzzing over your rotting corpse." Drink every time Nicolas Cage's mullet blows in the wind, blows gently <laughs> in the breeze. The scene when he gets off the plane. <clears throat> yeah, I mean that oh, is. Oh yeah, that's that is gold. That's iconic. It truly is. It is an iconic. I'd say that that's up there with Kate Winslet getting out of that car in Titanic for the first time. It is a truly iconic movie moment. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> the stuff that gifts are made of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, drink for muscles. Nicholas Cage's muscles, or just, just muscles? Just muscles in general. Whenever, whenever the thing you notice on screen is somebody's muscles. I mean, yes, it's a very testosterone-driven movie. Yeah, so. it is. Yeah, absolutely. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, well, I had drink every time Nicholas Cage does a ridiculous exercise. So, I mean, this is early in the movie, but every time he's... Although there are moments late in the movie as well when he's, like, using the fire engine as a monkey bar. But, like, there's just <laughs> yeah. so much you're doing, like his, like his yoga press-ups and his upside-down press-ups. And mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, anything that involves him doing crazy workouts, it's... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or when he gets shot in, in, in the bicep and he literally doesn't flinch. It's, it's just all very funny. Yep. So, yeah. What's yep. uh... the point? He's still monkey bars on a fire engine after being shot in the bicep. Yes! <laughs> The man like, like is minutes a, minutes earlier. The man is a god. He is a god. Wow. Okay. Uh, drink for civilians who died off screen at the end. I mean, what do you think the the death count of civilians is in this movie? I think it's in the four to five figures. Uh, I won't go. I won't go that far. I I, I go three to four figures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's a lot. Like that. They crash on the Las Vegas Strip. It's a, it's a busy strip. I'll give you that. Yeah. Well, I had a drink every time somebody jumps away from an explosion. <laughs> <laughs> Great. 
I've never seen it done without irony so many times as in this movie. Like there's so many also so many times in such a short space of time as well when they're in the desert as well. Yeah. It's just shots of like one explosion and then just various different shots of people walking away, running away. No one's looking at it. Yeah. They're all too cool to look at it. The one at the end when the big explosion when Nicolas Cage's tiny little body is on the screen, it's just like yeah. Oh my god. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Drink every time you see the American flag. Definitely. Yeah. This movie is America, yeah. fuck yeah, to the power of ten. Yeah. <laughs> uh drink for fire or flames. Yep. And drink every time John Cusack uses a big word. Because <laughs> his character that's one of his character's little traits is that he uh I didn't clock this. He, he's like the walking dictionary. Call me and he says he's the walking dictionary. He just says things. Like, yeah. No. No. Trust me. <clears throat> it's in there. Okay. We pick up Mr. Sandino in Carson City. From Venner until the plane hits Alabama, we've got two hours to get him to talk. We got you a seat right next to him, and he's known to be somewhat garrulous in the company of thieves. Garrulous? What the fuck is garrulous? That would be loquacious, verbose, effusive. How about chatty? What's with dictionary boy? Thesaurus boy, I think, is more appropriate. Well, listeners, if you uh, felt like you wanted some more drinking games, you maybe you want some more secret ideas later on, or you mm-hmm. want to hear more about the film, then you can get extended episodes by going to patreon.com slash set. If you do, you can support us for as much or as little as you want. We don't do a tiered system. We do pay as you feel. So no matter how much, no matter how generous you feel like being, you get everything. Mm-hmm. So everything being the extended episodes, like I said. You also get a bonus show where we review uh, the most recent releases. Mm-hmm. And let's see, you get you get a 30-second advert slot on the main show. You can talk about your own podcast, your own business, whatever you want. And once a month, we do a Patreon episode where we pick a Patreon at random and they get to pick the film for the main episode. You can guest if you want to, but you don't have to. All that, patreon.com slash beyondtheboxer. Indeed. Now, I've got a few ideas. I hate me. Uh, they're, all, they're all quite small. Okay. But I think I've got eight. Maybe. Eight. Okay, well, this could take a while. Or not. So the first one is the shortest. It's called John Air. John Air? Is yeah. that, am, I, am I involved in this? Uh, yeah, it's just you breathing very heavily. Either that or you farting. What do you want to go? I don't fart. Ah, okay. Sure. So what? Well, it's just sure me on a... It's me on mic just like hyperventilating or breathing heavily. Yeah? Something like that, yeah. Okay, well, whatever turn it's you want. Bit, yeah. Oh, yeah. Might have to take it there. Um, <clears throat> okay, the next one I've actually... Um, well, for the rest of them, I've actually written a little bit of plot. Mm-hmm. So after his release... Nicholas Cage has decided to spend his life as a family man sure. and doesn't consider re-enlisting in the army. Mm. Instead, he tries to expand some of the skills that he's picked up in jail. Mm-hmm. So for, to try and, you know, make, make, make a business. Make a new living, yeah, yeah, sure. Firstly, he starts an origami business. Oh yeah, he did love his origami yes. in this movie, yeah. Where on Etsy, he sells pre-folded origami. Okay. Little, uh, little idea that nobody's done before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, origami's hard I'll do the folding for you yeah, you but so, yeah it's like it. the little lines are there so you can just do it yourself it's like paint yeah. by numbers of origami yeah. yeah I can see that yeah, yeah. It, it it doesn't work that's gotta be a business no, no, no it, okay. it, it doesn't work it fails um, so as a backup he's got one more skill okay he's growing his hair growing his hair what to sell so he starts a business making and selling wigs from his own hair and you know what it's a success oh nice okay because He's very good. His, he has his, great hair. His hair yeah. is quite luscious in this movie. Sure. Assuming that Nicolas Cage could grow that level of hair, I'm sure it would sell very well. Is it imbued with some kind of magical powers? <laughs> Go on. The hair. I'm just suggesting, is there? Is it like Samson's hair? Is it like anyone who takes it can, I don't know, ah. 
Yeah. Just some, I don't know what, but something's got to happen. There's got to be something. Feel no in. pain or something. Yeah. Like, you know, just things that happen to him in this film. Yeah. You can be shot in the arm and it won't bother you. Mm -hmm, yeah. But anyway, that's called Con Hair. Con Hair, great, yeah. Along those lines, I've also done the Con Airs. The Con Airs, yeah. Um, all the prisoners have kids. Sure. Oh, I see the airs. Okay. And uh, all the kids, they conveniently look exactly like their dads. Mm -hmm. um, even the ones whose dads died. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's essentially the exact same film somehow, but exclusively starring children. Oh, I don't know if I like so that. Like, it's, it's like the Goonies, but... I was going to say, like, Bugsy Malone sort of thing. Sure. Um, but, you know, like, the, it's the little tiny Danny Treasure. Okay, well, that that, that sounds disturbing. It, it, what, still is, like, Johnny 23 who raped women? Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how far to take it, but... Yeah, uh, it sounds disturbing. So that's <laughs> so the Con Airs. Okay. We've also got On Air. On Air? Yeah, so they all, um, all, all the surviving criminals, they all start a radio show. Okay. Um, every week, one of the criminals tries to take control of the show. Mm -hmm. Feels like kind of in their nature. Sure. Um, only for producer John Cusack to save the show every time. So John Cusack's the like harried producer. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Next one I got the Fresh Prince of Conair. Okay. It's, it's the exact same film, but with a brand new cast starring Will Smith in the Nicolas Cage role. Huh. <laughs> imagine Nicolas Cage with that mullet. Sorry. Imagine Will Smith with that mullet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's not will smith's hair or hair that looks even slightly like will smith's no. it's exactly nicholas cage's hair from but that film just on will transplanted smith. onto will smith yeah that'd oh, be God. quite that'd be quite the thing yeah that would look it would terrible. look terrible it would not look good yeah okay so next one i've got i've actually written something a bit more okay thank christ um sorry <laughs> <laughs> I, I could just not try no no please try please keep trying <laughs> okay so, Nicolas Cage and the other surviving convicts who are all now out of prison, they're all struggling with life on probation. Probation's uh -huh. hard. It's difficult to get a job. Difficult, yes, absolutely. Di difficult to hold down a job. Many of them have been back in prison a few times. You know, they're all, they're all struggling. Life's mm -hmm. not really moving on very well for them. So, they all meet up again due to coincidence or whatever, and they all share how society has rejected them. Steve Buscemi, being now the smartest one in the room, now that John Malkovich is dead, Sure. Suggest that they all work together and use their skills to help each other out. Okay. But everybody has a problem with somebody else's morals. Like, oh, no, we don't like rapists here. Oh, no, we don't like pedophiles here. That kind of thing. Okay. So they all have to find just one thing that they're all okay with. The best they can do, they're all good at lying. Okay. So they start conning people. Mm. That's, that's going to be their thing now. They're all going to become con men. It's, okay. It, it, it's an easy one. They're going to steal watches, steal little, little bits of money. So and, it's, it's like they're in the... Oliver Twist universe kind of thing. Yes. Okay. And it works. Turns out they're they're, they're actually pretty good at it. They can work. Sure. They can work as a team. So they start doing bigger and bigger cons. Maybe they start getting addicted to it. Okay. The frill. Yeah. Yeah. Till eventually they all get caught, and they get caught by Cole Meany. Oh, he's still in the picture. Okay. Yeah, he's back in it. He was part of the DEA, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, who, in revenge for his car being destroyed actually set this last con as a trap for them oh so he was the he's like the secret villain all along mm -hmm. okay you wanted, you wanted to you wanted to get them back and they all go back to jail the end oh, okay con air two con gone wrong con gone wrong okay yeah i can see that yeah i can see how call meanie would be filled with a strong desire for vengeance yeah. yeah okay last one i got now it's largely the exact same film okay <laughs> uh <laughs> carry on yeah. uh but it's told from three points of view firstly from the point of view of a Vegas casino. Okay. What, the casino itself? Yep. It's omniscient? Y yeah, pretty much. That's, okay. That is, yeah, that's where I'm going with this. Secondly, it's also told 
from uh, the female guard's point of view. Okay, yeah. So we just see her parts of the story. Sure. We'll try and piece it together around that. And thirdly, from the point of view of Colmini's car. But, so it's all in a... Well, no, the, 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 but, but, for, but for whatever reason, Colmini's car is running backwards. It's unknown why. Okay. This film is directed by Christopher Nolan, and I present Convoluted Air. Convoluted Air. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Is that all you got here? Yeah? That's all I got. Excellent. I think Convoluted Air is very much a film that could happen. <laughs> very good. Okay. Cool. I have a few as well. Mm-hmm. One of the things I was thinking was to go back and look at some of the minor supporting characters and figure out what exactly what their deal was. I think I also have a lot of these ideas are also very small. Yeah. So I was thinking one of them is definitely world's worst lawyer. Yeah. I was very intrigued by that character. <laughs> I want to go back to yeah Nicholas Cage's lawyer who somehow manages to get him seven to ten for in prison <laughs> for being attacked. Yeah. Was he a real lawyer? <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that could be the question. It could be was like he, Lionel Hutz. Was, was he three children? It could be like Lionel Hutz the movie, and he always ends up defending people, like famous movie stars who mm-hmm. end up in jail for things that clearly were not their fault. Yeah. So I think that could be really fun. That, yeah, that, yeah, totally. that, that's just that character as the world's worst lawyer. Like he goes into cases that are clearly going to settle and ends up somehow and, and ends up <laughs> somehow getting them to losing them. Lou isn't to yeah, commit yeah, yeah. to being in jail for like five years. So yeah. there's him. Well, Connor to world's worst lawyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was also thinking John Malkovich's character, uh, Cyrus the virus. Mm-hmm. There's a voiceover early on where it says he's 35 years old and he's been in prison for 25 of those years. Yeah. I think it was more than that. I think that he, like it was since he was under the age of 10. Yeah. It was insane. Yeah. I was like, so yeah. So I'm thinking a prequel where it's like Muppet babies, where it's just like, Oh yeah. Muppet babies being the Muppets as babies. It's a, show mm-hmm. so i'm just thinking you could have a whole show about a master criminal who is eight years old nice yeah and yeah how he's how what he did and how he ends up in prison yeah, yeah. so that could be a lot of fun how he ends up in prison like an eight-year-old committing a crime that puts him in he's prison an eight-year-old like... criminal genius yeah. yeah he yeah but it's a crime big enough that it puts him in prison for like 30 odd years or yeah. something which is surely unheard of for like an eight-year-old sure that's therein lies the drama yeah yeah, yeah. no no i like it mm-hmm. yeah for Baby O, um, this is the character who, the sacrificial diabetic black guy. Oh, yeah. I was thinking you could do a whole cinematic universe where he always plays the, the sacrificial black guy. <laughs> and it could, it could be like a Christopher <laughs> Nolan thing. Oh, that's, that's, that's kind of grim. But it, that is his character. Oh, yeah, everything. totally. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But I was thinking that could be like the joke. It could be a, a series in which he is constant, like Quantum Leap kind of thing, where he's constantly in the position of being the sacrificial black guy. Right, okay. And, and every, point, every time he dies, he goes into a new... Yes, and at a certain point, he becomes conscious of it, and he's like, why does he keep happening to me? Yeah. And he has to fight his way out You can build up some right tension with it as well. Yes. Like every time you enter a story, you know how it's going to end. He is the red shirt of like <laughs> Oscar Beatty movies. Yeah. Yep. He always ends I up. I mean, getting... one Oscar Beatty movie. But one Oscar Beatty movie. And I don't one... think. I don't think Conair. No, I think maybe, I think maybe Conair won Best Song, and that's it. Yeah. So, <laughs> maybe yeah. some Razzies. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Yeah. I was thinking Steve Buscemi. Mm-hmm. You could make a whole cinematic universe with his characters. Yes. Now I would like to see. Uh, for this, I'd like to see Steve Buscemi as his character from Thirty Rock. Yes, as Hannibal Lecter. Yes, that's what I would. That's that's all I want from this, mm-hmm. and that's what this should have been. I agree. Well, I was just thinking you could just have because Steve Buscemi's character is such an enigma in this film, and he mm-hmm. he leaves 
at the end of the film, he's free. Mm-hmm. He could go on to be any other Steve Buscemi character. Yeah. Literally any. Oh, I see. So whatever Steve Buscemi character you pick in his past life or still presently, but just secretly, mm-hmm. he's a deranged pedophilic serial killer. Yes. But who's also maybe reformed and done something else in his life. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I like it. Yeah. I, you could even like tie in multiple Steve Buscemi properties and just add it all together. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah, that could be fun. My final and most kind of fleshed out idea though is an all female reboot. Ah, oh, I was thinking of that one too. But yeah. So they are all women on a high security plane. Mm-hmm. They're all female prisoners on a high security female plane to, you know. <laughs> female plane. All pri- they're all prisoners on a high... A plane with boobs. A high security <laughs> prison plane populated entirely by female inmates is what I'm saying, Harry. But I have a reason for this. Stop. Was the plane pink? Yes, it's pink, yeah. But also, Harry... Sorry, sorry, that just got me. Okay, <clears throat> are you are you good? Yeah, I think I'm good. Sorry, cool. just the, the 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 idea of a plane that's a woman. Yeah, no, I think like that should be part of it certainly. But the, <laughs> the thing the the thing is, this movie like gen- eyelashes above the window. Yes, all of it, all of it. But so this actual movie Con Air had to be renamed in France. Oh yeah, because Con in France is the word for vagina. Right. So in France, the translation of this film is air vagina. Okay. Yeah. So that's why I think the sequel should just be called, rather than Con Air, it should be called Air Con. Okay. And it's vagina plane. And it is about a prison movie filled with women, female prisoners. But also, Charlize Theron. Charlize Theron as a badass. She's Nicolas Cage as a badass, you know, killer, accidental killer. Yeah on a plane filled with female killers. You could have so many great female action stars in this movie. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I can see that working. I can. Um, yeah. I think that'd be an I, amazing I, film. I'd hundred percent watch that. I would watch that. I would watch the oh, shit out imagine of Imagine if that film was actually made. How yeah. entertaining would that be? A prison plane where oh, all the prisons God. are women. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just a prison plane. It's a lady. Prison it's a plane. lady prison plane. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. No, yeah. I'm, I'm all over that. That That's my most. Yeah. That's my most fleshed out idea. Nice. So that was Con Air 2, Air Con. Yeah. No, that's very good. Con meaning vagina. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, right. So we uh, hear from some of our listener submissions then. Go for it, yeah. So first of all, I've got some Patreon call-ins. Go for uh, it. Which I'll play first. So... Sison, yeah. Hi, this is Ross from a couple of podcasts. Two Geeks to Movies with Harry, where we compare movies with dubious connections, which will start again after lockdown ends. And Mythic Policies, a Dungeons and Dragons stream podcast where I'm the Dungeon Master and the players are a bunch of awesome dorks I like to hang out with, which will start from the first time when we can actually be allowed to see each other in real life. My pitch for a Con Air sequel is as follows. There's no shortage of movies where a man with a special set of skills comes out of a long run of not doing those skills to do them again for a bit. It's the rock-solid principle on which Liam Neeson, Denzel Washington and Bruce Willis have built their careers for the last few decades. Con Air is sort of one of these, but it is one of the best. The skills, though, always seem to be being really good at killing, and I'd like to explore a different idea, inspired by one of my favourite scenes in this movie, the montage of Cameron Poe's years in prison. He's bettering himself, reading, working out, learning origami, and being stoic and patient, it's a great scene. I want a sequel to follow Cameron Poe as a person who hasn't used his skills in a while, and now he has to use them again. These skills being all about how to reform people in the prison system and help even the most violent people avoid, avoid re-offending. He's also juggling family life with his now teenage daughter and his wife, and maybe a new baby is on the way, and the daughter is pretty mad that this one will have her dad when she didn't, and drama doth ensue. I've decided to call this 
XCON Air. Nice, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that, Ross. Very good, yeah. Yeah, thank you. The emotions that are evoked in this movie are amazing. It is 100% my favorite Nick Cage movie next to Face Off, simply because of the action, the silliness of the whole concept, and the amount of joy you get from watching John Malkovich, Nick Cage, Ving Rhames, all overact, yet it's the acting you needed in this movie. It's 100% my favorite movie. I cannot recommend this movie more to people if they want to enjoy the joy that is Nick Cage. I am, of course, Phil Better from the Phil Better Show and Invest in Yourself, the Digital Entrepreneur Podcast. That's my take on Con Air. I've never heard a man talk so slowly. No, no. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he really savoured every word there. He, he really does, but doesn't he? Also, all good stuff, so thank you, Phil. Yeah. yeah. Hi, guys. Sorry it's late, uh, but I'd just like to um, give you my listener submission for Con Air. Just want to say shout out to this movie. It's a classic. I uh, used to watch it loads when I was a kid with my dad. Uh, absolute classic. I forgot how amazing John Malkovich is in this film, but he's absolutely brilliant as like a criminal mastermind. Okay, so my sequel. Now, did you or did you not feel like there was something like vaguely... Like 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 Nicolas Cage's character was living in a fantasy world in this film. Like, I don't know, I felt like really like maybe he was like a vicious killer and like the whole family thing was, like, a total fantasy. So maybe, like, actually the film picks... The new the second film picks up where, like, the last film ended, like, he's meeting his family, but, like, actually that was, like, all some sort of dream and really he's, like, still on the run, something like that. I mean, that's all I've got. But, yeah, I didn't really feel... I felt like felt like he was, like, making it up, that he was, like, for release. He just seemed a little bit crazy. So I'd like to run with that idea. Okay, keep up the good work. I'll see you next week. Bye. Oh, that was Louise. Thank you very much for that. I agree. I did, I did get a sense that maybe Nicolas Cage doesn't really want to be released. Yeah. <laughs> that was a sense I got in this movie. So. Yeah, no, mm. I kind of got that too, I think. Every opportunity to get out, he's like makes the other choice. So yeah. yeah. Um, okay, and so there were a couple who actually replied with the question that you asked them, John. Yes, I asked some of our patrons to do their best Nicolas Cage line reading from any Nicolas Cage movie. So what have we got? I have no life. I have no life. My brother Johnny took my life from me. And now he's getting married. He has his, he's getting his, and he wants me to come. What is life? They say bread is life. And so I bake bread, 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 and I sweat, and I shovel dough out of this stinking hole in the wall, and I should be so happy. Huh, sweetie? You want me to come to the wedding of my brother Johnny? Where's my wedding? Chrissy! Over by the wall, bring me the big knife! Bring me the big knife, I'm gonna cut my throat! She won't do it. You know about me? Nothing is nobody's fault, but sometimes things happen. My brother Johnny came in here, and he ordered some bread. I said, okay, some bread. So I put my hand 
in the slicer because I wasn't paying attention, and the slicer chewed off my hand. It's when my fiance saw that I'd been maimed, she left me for another man. I don't care. I ain't no freaking monument to justice. I lost my hand. I lost my bride. Johnny is his hand. Johnny is his bride. You want me to take my heartbreak, put it away, and forget? Is it just a matter of time till the man opens up his eyes and gives up his one dream of happiness? Well, my goodness. That was powerful. I asked for like <laughs> one line, not a dramatic reading of the <laughs> scene, scene. But sure, but I mean, Jesus I'm, I'm here for it. Thank you very much for that, yeah. Wow, okay. So yes, that, was, that was Moonstruck. Yeah. yeah, that was from the movie guys. Oscar for them, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Thank you, guys. Yeah, God. I'm, 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 my heart's a flutter. I bet, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so this, is, this one here is from Contrarian Prime. Oh, from Julio. Great. Mm-hmm. Friend of the pod. Okay, guys. Here is a classic line from what might be the best Nicolas Cage movie ever, Face Off. And the line is, Peach. I could eat a peach for hours. I obviously, I can't do it justice, but anybody who's seen Face Off gets chills whenever they hear someone do that line. We should do Face Off. I think we should, yeah, we probably should do Face Off at some point. It's on the list, it's on the list, but yeah. Good shout, Julio. That is a great Nicolas Cage line. Yeah. Yeah. All right, great. Um, You got any more? Yeah, I have some listener submissions as well. Uh, So Duncan Flaster said, Con Water. Oh, yeah. Con air, con water. So I guess yes. it's all the elements are at play, yeah. Alex Jordan said, con air conditioning. <laughs> that Actually, I thought of that as a sequel idea myself. Yeah. Con air conditioning could be like Nicolas Cage and Monica... After the events of the original film, Nicolas Cage and Monica Potter get married and yeah, he, ra- he commits to raising his kid. But he's so used to a life of full excitement mm-hmm. that just being a regular like stay-at-home dad or like a working-class dad mm. with air conditioning is... Um, he can't handle it it's too yeah. boring for him he needs he needs he misses the adventure of crazy action sequences mm-hmm. so that's air con to air conditioning because <laughs> air conditioning is all he's got in his life <laughs> sure yeah andrew leafring said con air about all the personal care products that cage needs to maintain those gorgeous locks <laughs> so i guess con air is actually the style of shampoo he's using right uh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. makes sense yeah brian hunt said con the last airbender nice yeah Joe Pascaletti said, okay, I'm imagining a whole international series that keeps escalating and getting more outlandish. Conair 2, Atlantic Ocean. Conair 3, Europe. Conair 4, Africa. Conair 5, Indian Ocean. Conair 6, Convict Continent, that's Australia. Mm -hmm. And Conair 7, (laughs) Pacific Ocean. The twist here is it's the tamest of all the films. (laughs) Okay. Very good. Uh, Gary J. Kaufman said, I don't know, but the tagline has to be, this summer, the bunny... Is coming out of the box. <laughs> yeah. uh, Mike Sainz said, Conorail. Yeah, monorail. Oh, monorail, yeah. yeah. Conorail, yeah. And finally, Jay Logston said, Con Air Force One, which I think is the crossover we all were crying out for. I'm surprised no one else has said that before now. Air Force One and Con Air, yeah. Yep. Clearly, those two movies deserve to be together. Mm-hmm. I feel annoyed that I didn't think of them. Yeah, indeed. Well, thank you, everybody, for those sequel ideas. We ask for your listener submissions every week, a few days before we record, by putting posts out on Facebook and Twitter, where you can post your ideas. So make sure you like and follow our pages if you don't want to miss out. 
To listen to more episodes of Beyond the Box Set, you can subscribe and browse our back catalogue on any podcasting platform, including Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and many others, all of which you could also leave a five-star review, which really helps us to reach new listeners, so please do consider doing that. You can also support us on Patreon for as much or as little as you like. You'll get all the bonus features, including being part of our live call-ins, getting access to bonus features, our regular bonus episode, a regular 30 second ad slot and much more. You can find all those links in the description below or at beyondtheboxset.com. And next week, Harry, it is a me pick. Yeah. So after my selection last week went down so well, Mm -hmm. I thought, why not just double down? (laughs) Why not just continue in this vein? So I'm going to choose next week. I'm going to choose yet another Oscar nominated, Oscar winning, I think. Okay. Family drama about a messed up family with uh, complicated relationships. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll like it just as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week, we're going to do a little film called Little Miss Sunshine. Oh, I think I've seen this. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Steve Carell, Tony Collette, Greg Kinnear. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Do you think you'll like it more than you can count on me? No idea. Well, we'll see you next week, I guess. Yeah. Do your best. Lovely. All right, I'll try. Cool. Great. Well, see you next week, guys, for Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, see you next time. See you next time. Bye. Bye. my baby.